Stay up to date and engage with the financial world. You're listening to the Wall Street Millennial Podcast. Up until recently, BlockFi was one of the most popular crypto platforms in the US, with millions of users depositing well in excess of $3 billion. They offered features allowing people to buy and sell crypto, as well as a crypto credit card which offered up to 3.5% cash back paid in Bitcoin. But their most compelling value proposition by far was their lending feature, where depositors could earn as much as 4% on their Bitcoin holdings and 7.5% on their stablecoin holdings. This was far in excess of what traditional banks offered on savings accounts. So where did this money come from? While many people like to believe that cryptocurrencies have magical powers which allow them to create value out of thin air, this is unfortunately not the case. BlockFi earned interest for its depositors by lending their funds out to third parties, very similar to traditional banks. The only difference is that they took on a lot more risk. One of their biggest debtors was a secretive crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital, who reportedly borrowed $1 billion from BlockFi. When Three Arrows Capital imploded this past June, they defaulted on the loan, pushing BlockFi to the brink of insolvency. Like a white knight, Sam Bankman-Fried stepped in to save BlockFi by extending a $400 million credit facility to the distressed crypto lender. With the backing of one of the most respected crypto industry titans, BlockFi was able to honor customer withdrawals and it looked like everything was safe. Fast forward five months. In November, FTX collapses, and just a couple weeks later, BlockFi also halts customer withdrawals and files its own bankruptcy proceedings. In the bankruptcy court, BlockFi is now saying that FTX and Alameda defaulted on $1 billion worth of loans that they owe to BlockFi. So what is going on? FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried supposedly bailed out BlockFi this past summer. How can it possibly be the case that they actually owe money to BlockFi? BlockFi is one of the many crypto lending platforms which grew to prominence over the past few years. In 2020, the Federal Reserve took short-term interest rates down to zero, and almost all banks followed suit on their savings accounts. In this environment, BlockFi's crypto lending solution appeared very attractive. Who doesn't want to make 8% on their stablecoin deposits instead of 0.07% at a traditional bank? During the crypto bull run of 2022, BlockFi was able to raise hundreds of millions of dollars from some of the most prestigious investors on Wall Street and in Silicon Valley. Their investors included PayPal founder Peter Thiel's Venture Capital Fund, Coinbase's Venture Capital Fund, the massive hedge fund Tiger Global, as well as the private equity giant Bain Capital, which was co-founded by Mitt Romney. Although, Romney was no longer involved with the company when they made the BlockFi investment. They used this money to run massive advertising campaigns, primarily on YouTube, sponsoring finance-related YouTubers to promote BlockFi to their audiences. But there was one problem. What BlockFi was doing was illegal. Under U.S. securities law, you have to register with the SEC and meet various requirements to offer interest-bearing products. BlockFi did not do this. So in February of 2022, the SEC fined BlockFi $100 million and told them that they had to stop opening new interest-bearing accounts in the U.S. However, accounts that were already opened prior to the settlement were allowed to continue and their non-U.S. operations were not affected at all. So while their growth prospects in the U.S. were severely constrained, for the most part, they continued to operate business as usual. But things were about to get a lot worse. In May, the algorithmic stablecoin UST collapsed, along with its sister token, Terra Luna. Terra Luna was a Ponzi scheme that was destined to collapse from the very beginning. If you want to learn more about it, check out the video we made about this at the time, link in the description below. 
While BlockFi did not invest directly into UST or Luna, they were still impacted by the contagion. To understand this, we have to look at who BlockFi was lending money to. A traditional bank generates interest income by lending money to homeowners or businesses. These loans are generally backed by real assets as collateral. For example, if you default on your mortgage, the bank can foreclose your house and make back most if not the entire value of the loan. This makes it very safe from the bank's perspective. The problem is, the traditional banking industry is well established and incredibly competitive, so the banks can't charge high enough interest rates to cover anything close to the 8% yields that BlockFi was paying. The only way that BlockFi could generate these high yields was to take on far more risk. This risk came in the form of lending money to weird crypto hedge funds like Three Arrows Capital, who would then use the borrowed funds to make complex and risky crypto investments. Three Arrows Capital was a large investor in the UST stablecoin. When this collapsed, Three Arrows went bankrupt and defaulted on BlockFi's loan. This pushed BlockFi to the brink of insolvency, but they were able to continue operating by securing a $400 million bailout loan from FTX US. It looked like everything was going fine. With a $400 million loan from FTX US, BlockFi was saved from the Three Arrows capital fallout. And since the credit line was subordinate to customer deposits, it could only be good for customers. But the relationship between BlockFi and SBF's companies was far more complicated than originally thought. Of the $400 million credit facility, BlockFi only borrowed $275 million. So there was a flow of $275 million from FTX to BlockFi. But at the same time, BlockFi deposited $355 million onto the FTX exchange. So this is money flowing from BlockFi back to FTX. In addition, BlockFi lent $680 million to Alameda Research. Alameda Research is technically a separate company from FTX, but it's all controlled by Sam Bankman-Fried. And as we've seen with the FTX bankruptcy, FTX and Alameda commingled their funds. When you add everything together, there is a net outflow of $760 million from BlockFi to entities associated with Sam Bankman-Fried. So did SBF really bail out BlockFi, or did BlockFi bail out SBF? Within weeks of the FTX collapse, BlockFi also halted withdrawals and filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. They specifically called out the $1 billion default from FTX and Alameda as a reason for the bankruptcy. The problem is, FTX and Alameda are also bankrupt, and they don't have the money to pay their own depositors, let alone BlockFi. This puts BlockFi in a very difficult position. It also raises questions about why SBF decided to bail out BlockFi in the first place. Had BlockFi gone bankrupt, the bankruptcy court may have tried to liquidate Alameda's loan. By bailing out BlockFi, he could prevent this from happening, or at least delay it. Sam Bankman-Fried almost always says I think or I believe before he answers any hard questions. This may be an attempt to avoid criminal liability when the facts come out and they completely contradict his public statements. Assuming that BlockFi's statements and his bankruptcy filings are true, they have significant loans outstanding to Alameda to this day. Loans that SBF claimed were wound down during the summer. Now we know how BlockFi got into the mess. The most important question is what will happen to the hundreds of thousands of customers who have lost in many cases their life savings. According to its bankruptcy filing, BlockFi owes $3.1 billion to its top 50 creditors. Its single largest creditor is the Ancura Trust, which acts as a trustee for BlockFi's interest-bearing crypto accounts. All of these accounts together sum to $730 million. The second largest creditor is FTX US, to whom they owe $275 million. This is in relation to the bailout that they received this past summer. Interestingly, their fourth largest creditor is the US Securities and Exchange Commission, to whom they owe $30 million. 
This is in relation to the $100 million settlement that they agreed to pay this past February. So far, they've only paid $70 million of it. This puts the SEC in a position where they will be competing with retail investors to get money out of the bankruptcy court. The rest of the creditors are customers who presumably had their funds in BlockFi, but not in interest-bearing accounts, as these would have been included in the Ankira Trust. The question is, does BlockFi have the funds to cover the over $3 billion of liabilities? In May of this year, Sam Bankman-Fried acquired a 7.6% stake in the online stock brokerage company Robinhood under an Antigua-based shell company called Emergent Fidelity Technologies. According to BlockFi, Alameda used this Robinhood stake as collateral to secure its $680 million loan. This flies in the face of SBF's claims that he was not operationally involved in Alameda. Robinhood currently has a market cap of $8.8 billion, making the 7.6% stake worth a little under $700 million. And this is just enough to cover Alameda's loan. Thus far, Alameda has refused to turn the Robinhood stake over to BlockFi. But if SBF did in fact post the Robinhood shares as collateral, the bankruptcy court should be able to compel Alameda to hand it over. There's still another $355 million that BlockFi deposited into FTX. This money is probably gone for good. But maybe they can work out a deal whereby the $275 million that they still owe to FTX US can be netted off from the money they deposited into FTX. However, it's unclear if the deposits were in FTX US or FTX International. If the latter is the case, this would complicate things. It's unclear what financial problems BlockFi may or may not have beyond the direct exposure to FTX. We know they have a track record of lending money to untransparent crypto hedge funds, like Three Arrows Capital and Alameda. There may be other creditors who have defaulted during the recent crypto crash. But assuming that they are able to secure the roughly $700 million of Robinhood shares, they will be able to pay at least something to their customers, even if it ends up being pennies on the dollar. Besides the obvious lessons of not trusting unregulated crypto platforms promising suspiciously high yields, the next lesson of the BlockFi story is that you can't rely on the SEC to protect you. SEC Commissioner Gary Gensler has long been a crypto skeptic and has talked about the need to bring more regulation. But the disastrous collapses of Celsius, Voyager, FTX, and now BlockFi have all happened under his watch. He even knew about BlockFi's illegal practices since February, but instead of shutting down the platform, he just gave them a $100 million fine and allowed existing accounts to continue operating. If anything, the SEC's actions only made things worse, as the $100 million settlement will decrease the pool of funds available for customers. It's not the CEOs or investors who will ultimately bear the cost of the settlement. It's the retail investors who have already lost almost everything. In light of all the crypto scams that have been exposed over the past year, the value of Bitcoin has declined by more than 60%. Hopefully, this will be the final nail in the coffin for the disastrous crypto hysteria that has gripped the investing community over the past two years. With the collapse of FTX and the complete failure of the SEC to protect investors, it's finally clear that no centralized crypto exchanges can be trusted. The quicker people realize this and withdraw whatever money they still have left, the better off they will be. You've been listening to the Wall Street Millennial Podcast. Don't miss a minute wherever you go. Wall Street Millennial, signing out.